Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, yo, welcome back, Solar Warriors. This is Tactical Tuesday, conversations with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips, and advice to guide, build, and develop your business, your career, and even your personal brand. Thank you for choosing Suncast. Today, we're going to learn with a solar and storage expert who's also carved out his own niche as an ABSEP trainer, a coach, an advisor, consultant, more than three decades of experience in technology and sustainability. You might recognize Tim Montague as the voice and creator and host of the Clean Power Hour podcast. He's interviewed more than 100 solar, wind, and energy storage companies on that show. But in fact, he's produced more than 300 podcast episodes, many of them even as live streams. You probably caught a few of them on Thursdays with his co-host, John Weaver, commercial solar guy from PV Magazine. Tim has helped dozens of U.S. Midwest region facility owners and landowners realize the benefits of solar as a solar developer himself, bringing solar to the heartland of America's breadbasket in central Illinois. I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us and level up your game today. Remember, you can find the resources that we talk about today and learn more about Tim and everything that he's about, his recommendations, and more by clicking on the show notes. You can go to mysuncast.com and see our entire back catalog of nearly 600 such episodes. While you're at it, I do want to encourage you, whatever podcast player you're using is probably Spotify or Apple Podcasts, just saying, the biggest two in the land. Just hit the subscribe button, show your love for us in that simple way, because as we get more subscribers, the podcast apps start to recommend us more. And if you would take another two or three seconds, leave us a five-star rating and review. That's meaningful. I mentioned the Tim live streams. We also post a lot of these episodes and live streams up on our YouTube channel. And I would encourage you to go check out those phenomenal conversations with our friends and guests in the industry as well. All of that, of course, is so easily found in the description of this podcast episode right in that podcast app you're probably using right now. So just look for the helpful links there. Let's get down to business and tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another tactical, practical conversation here on Suncast. Well, it's been a long time coming, bringing my buddy Tim Montague in as an official guest here for the Suncast podcast, and uh, not a moment too soon. Tim, it is good to see you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Nico. It's uh, it's really wonderful to be here. <laughs> Man, we've been watching each other uh, make the sausage, and it's so fun to actually, it's almost intimidating sometimes as podcasters to jump in and watch each other kind of do the behind the scenes, the prep for the interviews and everything. We'll get all, uh, we'll get into details about your podcast and uh, sort of the business that you've built around your personal brand quite in detail here today. A couple of things that I want us to explore are leveraging that personal brand, um, your knowledge from hundreds of interviews as we've done here uh, on how the industry is shaping and what headwinds or tailwinds uh, we're experiencing. And also how you've leveraged decades of knowledge to give back and, and teach 
others. But I'd like to go back in time a little bit and learn a little bit about the first moments or inklings in your life that gave you that spark. There was a thing called sustainability or clean electricity, the seed moment that ultimately brought you into uh, sustainable energy and, and solar power. Well, I owe it all to my dad and and my family, really. They're very involved in environmental issues in New Mexico, where I grew up. I was born in Indiana. I'm a Midwesterner by birth, but I grew up in New Mexico and in Albuquerque for 12 years from two to 14. And there's a nuclear waste dump site in the southern part of the state called WIP that my parents were fighting some geologists, people that are way smarter than me, had concluded that the formation that the government was planning to use to bury barrels of nuclear waste was not going to be stable. And you want something that's stable for 10,000 plus years, as you well know, because you're dealing with stuff that is radioactive for a very long time. And so anyway, uh, and the other thing that happened there, this is in the mid 70s. This is around 75. I was about 10 years old, was there was an energy fair at the University of New Mexico, where my dad was a professor, he taught environmental studies. He was a self-taught environmentalist. He His PhD was in American studies, which is a combination of journalism and history. But he wrote a book for his thesis on heavy metals. Anyway, Energy Fair at the UNM, uh, the Lobos. And this fair had lots of solar going on. Not a lot of solar PV, mind you. Hmm. PV was very expensive in the 70s. Right. We're talking 300 bucks a watt uh, or, or I mean, something crazy. Right. So we were doing solar thermal mm-hmm. and my dad was a, v, a DIY techie and we built some hot water panels and some solar cookers right in my backyard with cardboard, no cardboard, way. copper pipe, paint, spray paint and tinfoil. And, and that really was the spark. And that is a fantastic story. I have uh, one of the GoSun um, solar cookers. And uh, they are just, they're not even modern marvels. Uh, It's technology that has been used to cook and heat for centuries. I can identify with that, man. Like the ability to have that early spark. I watch in my children as they kind of watch the, the, now they they have the pleasure of uh, growing up in a house where dad has a bunch of uh, solar powered gadgets and uh, they just sort of take for granted that the sun powers our life. I grew up on a farm as, as we've talked about before. Um, and it was ingrained in me early on that the sun literally provided our food. It provided, powered our lives in every, in every way possible. My grandfather would say, you know, even the gas in our trucks is brought from the sun. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. It really um, does power our lives. Yeah. Now, the other spark that as a boy, I was fascinated with magnifying glasses. And mm. in New Mexico, we have a lot of ants and I'm not proud of this, but you could take a magnifying glass and burn ants and you could, of course, catch fire to right. pieces of paper. You could create a fire with a magnifying glass that was just, you know, four inches in diameter. That was like incredible. And it is a testament to the power of the sun. Like we get 2,500 times more energy from the sun to power all of civilization than we actually need. We are swimming in energy. And that is why solar is the fastest growing source of new energy on the grid, brother, right? It certainly is. You've joined us a number of times, uh, I think practically every time in our uh, quarterly uh, clean tech podcasters roundtable. I love I'm those. I love those quarterly s- events. So much fun with uh, some of my favorite uh, podcast and just general solar industry friends. But one of the things that always impresses me is you are constantly 
well armed with facts and figures. Uh, how much reading would you say you do on a daily basis to keep yourself informed on what's happening in the solar industry? And how, how do you actually organize that as a part of your daily activity? It ebbs and flows. I don't have a strict routine mm-hmm. because I do do a news roundup on Thursdays with John Weaver. Yeah. That keeps me on my toes and I, and I feel an obligation to be informed of what's yeah. going on in the energy transition. So I spend at least an hour a day, sometimes two or three hours. It totally ebbs and flows with what else is going on in my solar project development work, mm-hmm. my podcasting life, and, and the various and sundry other things that I do. Towards the end, I'm going to ask you a question around how you curate that stuff, because I'd love, I think it's instructive for others who see us as creators to hear a little bit about how we organize ourselves and do something mm-hmm. that on the surface is both looks really hard and is actually hard until you get a system around it. Um, but speaking of systems, do you remember the first time that you decided, I'm going to learn how solar electricity comes together as a system, I'm going to try to dedicate my career to it, not the energy fair, but the actual application in life. Where were you at in life at that point? And talk talk about the moment where you decided, okay, I'm going to turn this into a career, not just something that I'm thinking about. This happened in 2016. Mm -hmm. And it is one of my few regrets in life, Nico, Mm. that I did not get into the industry sooner because I love the solar PV industry. I lived in Southern California (laughs) in the 80s. I could have I could have been one of the OGs in the industry, but I'm not. Um, And, but on a Sunday afternoon, a gentleman named Paul called me out of the blue. He found my phone number on my LinkedIn profile and he was trying to grow a, uh, a a P2P, you know, consumer to consumer solar sales organization in a multi-level marketing company. Citizenry? Uh, It was, uh, the company that came after Citizen Re, I believe. Ah, okay. And um, so anyway, I was casting about for my next big thing. I had been consulting in the green business industry, uh, very passionate for sustainability my whole life. You know, I became an ecologist. I went to undergrad and grad school in ecology, which is way more complicated and difficult than business. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> way, way, way. And I, but once I got my entree to business, I love business and I've been doing B2B sales pretty much my whole professional career. So anyway, Paul called me and said, we've reached grid parity. I had seen all these wind farms come into Illinois. The solar boom hadn't quite hit, right? We got our first RPS in 07, but that led to mostly a tranche of big wind. Yeah. And then it wasn't until 2017. And so the, that legislation was percolating though. Our governor signed the bill in December of 2016 that created the boom. So it was perfect timing for me being in Illinois and Mm -hmm. being interested. I had hosted a meeting of ICEA, the Illinois Solar Energy Association at the Notabart Nature Museum, which is the Chicago Academy of Sciences. It's the oldest cultural institution in Chicago. And I worked there doing corporate relations in the mid 2000s. And in, in, uh, in 08, I had hosted a meeting of ICEA at that facility where they had a solar ray on the roof. And so I had some connections to ICEA. I went to an annual meeting. Then shortly after Paul called me and I met Brian Haug and that was the, that was it. I was like, I'm going to create a job for myself with Continental. And I did that. Mm. And that really catapulted my career to the next level because they were an early adopter themselves. Brian and company at Continental Mm -hmm. had gotten into solar in 08. Mm. 
And I was goofing off down here in central Illinois working for the U of I and, and then getting into green business consulting and, uh, well, I love that. Good timing. I love that uh, story because it really, you've told me, um, I, I learned this from you recently, I think maybe when I was on your show that the average uh, career or the, the average uh, adult goes through five career changes. I think it speaks volumes for someone as an infinite learner, as someone who is adaptable and open to change that they can make a conscious decision to make a career change. So I, I can, I, uh, I really affirm that decision and I've seen it prove um, fruitful in your life. When we first got to know each other, uh, you had reached out to me because you were trying to get back into podcasting, um, which you had started a number of years prior and were working at Continental and had uh, and had started what is now the Clean Power Hour. When you were at Continental, were you a frontline salesperson? Uh, what, what was your role predominantly? How did it evolve at Continental? Yeah, I was the head of business development for Continental. The group was three people when I joined. It was Brian mm-hmm. Haug and Cesar Romo and myself. Yeah. And now they're over 15 people because of the growth of the industry and yeah. the success that we had. So I was building relationships with developers. The developers were coming for the community solar market in Illinois. Oh, yeah. And and then I was uh, developing CNI projects for Continental. So just CNI reaching out for, to facility owners. CNI is a reminder, it's commercial industrial for those who are listening and maybe aren't familiar. And the other thing that we have uh, that I share in common with you is being one of the first three hires into a non-solar company to help them build out a solar division, right? You were ahead of business development, but Continental wasn't implicitly a solar company. It was a, it was a traditional electrical, electrical contractor. contractor. Yeah. And one of the biggest in Illinois, correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they have over a hundred electricians. It's a challenge that a lot of folks right now are dealing with. They're roofing. And as I was at a roofing company, they're roofing and electrical contractors across the nation who see the opportunity, the gold in the mine, as it were. What advice from your time at Continental would you give to other fellow contractors who are trying to add solar as a bolt on to their business? If you're in something around the built environment, right, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whether that's carpentry or electrical work, or roofing. Okay. I mean, solar is a lot about rooftops. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do it, but talk to your aspirational peers, figure out how to avoid all the mistakes that they've made for 10 years before you, but don't hesitate to get into the industry now, right? Because we're Mm going to 10 X the solar industry in the next 20, 25 years. This is a huge economic opportunity and it's imperative and there's a shortage of labors and labor and contractors in the industry. We actually mm-hmm. need hundreds and thousands of more contractors to, to make the jump. Yeah. And we need a million electricians, literally a million electricians. It's phenomenal. So if you're a young person, if you're in high school now, get into the trades, whatever your passion, of course, it's the full spectrum. But we downplay the trades and that really bums me out, Nico, because- we do. These are the people that build the stuff, the roads, the bridges, <laughs> the electrical so infrastructure, the solar arrays, the wind farms. We stand on their shoulders every day. And yet we downplay that in our in our educational system. It's so ironic. Yeah, we were talking about this a lot. Uh, you and I lately, uh, you brought it up as one of the key things in our last quarterly roundtable with the podcasters. The phenomenal opportunity in what we traditionally think of as blue collar who make 
six figures and in many cases, healthy six figures. In many cases, electricians are prevailing wage. We'll talk a bit about the IRA in a minute and some of the things that you and I know uh, come down the pipe. Uh, I wonder, are there any mistakes that you see commonly made that are easily, or at least with advice, easily avoidable by contractors who are looking at this space as an opportunity? I think sharing and talking to your peers mm-hmm. more. It is it is sometimes hard when you feel like, well, they're my competition. <laughs> um, yep. We we really can benefit from and, and and fine find somebody in a disparate market, but find them and talk to them and build a relationship and help them too. Mm. Don't make it a one sided relationship. Be a giver, right? That's right. <laughs> Always be giving. That is one of my most important mantras in life. Instead of ABC, it's ABG. Uh, Tim Montague, always, <laughs> always be giving. Always be giving. <laughs> well, let's give. And let's yeah. Keep going. So, so that's the number one. Is just don't do it in isolation. Mm. Don't reinvent the wheel. There's no need. Of course, there's room for innovation. I don't doubt that. In, you know, there's there are new tricks of the trade, so to speak, <laughs> to be invented. You know, I had. Uh, Timberline Solar on my show the other day. That episode yeah. is gonna is gonna come out sometime in in May probably. Mm-hmm. And I love it that roofers are installing solar now. Oh yeah, like that just makes so much sense, right? Yeah. It's not gonna it's not gonna put the the residential solar installers out of business. They can they too can install Timberline Solar. Yeah, it's both and. Yeah, Timberline is um, the gas product, right? Yes. Yeah, GAF. I mean, what Martin and the team have done over there is really remarkable. Yeah. I love that. I love that product. I'm passionate for mm-hmm. BIPV building integrated photovoltaics. Yeah. It's we're just scratching the surface, right? That's cool. They're operating, I think, in 16 states now. The Midwest isn't in their bullseye, unfortunately, <laughs> yet. Uh, they have to do some heavy lifting supporting their contractors, right? Yeah. With the electrical side of that. Solar is electricity and and roofing is not. So it's it's a it's a bit of a sandwich, but it is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that is yummy. And yeah. we need to do this. Well, one of the things that is sparking uh, a lot of these contractors recognition and realization that there's there's gold in their hills, that there's opportunity there is the world changing historical largest climate legislation in history, probably in the world, definitely in the United States that we call the Inflation Reduction Act. It's building on the Build Back Better Act and the infrastructure um, bill, the International Energy Agency uh, in their renewables report for 2022 said that we're going to install almost 2.4 terawatts of solar PV capacity and by 2027, surpassing hydro, nat gas, and coal by 2027 to become the largest electric capacity worldwide. Could you give folks an, a better understanding of what else in the IRA or what you see in the IRA gives hope that not only for the next 10 years supported by this incredible uh, sort of stimulus package, but for the next 50 years, this is the most durable job market the United States will see. Yeah. One of the great talking points about IRA or the IRA is that it's going to unleash $3 trillion worth of investment in clean energy uh, from now for the next decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's according to Goldman Sachs. Yeah. This is truly a tsunami of investment and tax credits, a trillion dollars in tax credits for EVs, renewable energy, nuclear also is on the table, batteries, energy efficiency, hydrogen, 
we need all of these things. Yeah. Um, we need mostly old nuclear, not new nuclear, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I live in the most nuclearized state in the country. Keep those plants running. Once you've built that huge hunk of steel and cement, keep, keep it, it running as long yeah. as possible. It is carbon free, but building new nuclear isn't happening because the economics just it just are takes brutal. so long. Yeah, even so if the, long. Yeah, and even the if the economics works, because it's, it's fifteen to it, twenty years to build one of these plants. Solar is a lot cheaper and faster. So solar, wind, batteries. <laughs> That's what we're going to see a lot of. We're going to go to an 80 to 90% solar and wind powered grid by 2050. So solar is going to be a huge chunk of that. That is just a lot of jobs, green collar jobs, right? Yeah. And white collar jobs. It's both and, and it's huge, huge wealth transfer opportunity for investors, company owners, and for consumers to Mm -hmm. invest in, in projects on their own homes on their mm-hmm. businesses or as a stock investor in the, in public markets, right? Next trackers IPO last year, largest IPO in the country, a solar company. Yeah. They're the bread and butter of the solar industry, right? The largest yep. IPO. That is just so awesome. There are so many wonderful things that I would call tailwinds yet actually building these projects requires today <laughs> Who knows what 10 years will bring, but today it requires humans with boots on and gloves and uh, connecting wires and mounting panels to, to steel or aluminum. Uh, let's talk about some of the challenges that such an enormous tailwind brings to actually getting the, these plants built on homeowners' roofs in their communities and in the adjacent farmland to power our lives with clean, renewable electrons instead of fossil fuels. What are some of the challenges you see facing the IRA and facing the industry? It's really a question of, can we deploy this stuff fast enough? I think of gigafactories, for example, whether you're talking about a battery factory or a solar panel factory mm-hmm. or a uh, EV factory, right? These are like the integrated circuits now. These are like the chips yeah. of our economy. We need to crank those factories. We need to turn them on as fast as possible. There's a great story in PV Tech that shows that there's now a roadmap to 55 gigawatts of solar modules made in America because of the IRA. IRA 55 right? gigawatts? 55 gigawatts, yeah. Wow. And companies like QCells are on track to, I think, produce eight gigawatts themselves, right? One company. Um, now they're the early adopters, right? They already had a panel factory in Georgia. They're expanding that they're getting into the ingot to wafer, to panel the, the whole nine yards. Right. And that's high wage jobs. Being a factory worker. When, when I was in school, in grade school, it was like something you thought of from the twenties, you know, the industrial revolution. Well, factories have modernized. They've changed. They're full of robots, right? They're full of high tech. It's a much cleaner safer, healthier environment for factory workers and it's high wage jobs. And yeah, China, to their credit, grabbed onto that much faster than the United States yeah. is. We were busy sending our factory jobs to Mexico and, and Asia. 70% of solar panels we consume in the US are made in Asia. Well, now we're going to onshore that stuff. So that's a, can we deploy, 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 as Jigger says, as Jigger Shaw likes to say, he's mm-hmm. the head of the DOE loan programs office. And, and a native Illinoisan, um, for all intents and purposes, he was born in India, but immigrated here when he was one year old. Yeah. And so that's one thing. Can we, can we just build this stuff, these factories? And then of course Mm -hmm. the solar farms and the wind farms. And let's talk about that for a minute. Like the sheer volume of solar farms and wind farms and battery farms that we have to deploy is massive. And that's a good problem. 
because it is going to green the grid and help us step back from the, the brink of climate chaos, uh, God willing. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally TVD if humanity is doing this fast enough, right? And the answer is likely not. But we have to try. And so that means millions of, of people working in the field, deploying these facilities, building this stuff, putting piles in the ground, racking modules, wiring, conduit, connecting it to the grid, doing the, doing the, uh, you know, the interconnection study and so forth and so on. Engineers, salespeople, finance, insurance, every industry is, is affected and there's huge opportunities. So if you're a young person or a career changer, it's hmm. both and, right? Yeah. You and I both help many people, whether they're just starting yeah. or jumping from oil and gas. And a lot of people are jumping from oil and gas. Please come. We have nothing against the oil and gas industry. We stand on your shoulders. Modern yeah. society was built from fossil fuels. That's so right. How could we begrudge that? You know, when you partner with our partner, Trina Solar US, you get more than best-in-class Vertex modules. You also gain a bankable partner for optimized compatibility and improved system value. With the Trina Pro Utility Scale Solution, or C&I Solutions, Trina Solar is the only PV module manufacturer in the United States that offers one-stop system integration solutions, including Trina Tracker, inverters, and full BOS support to lower your levelized cost of electricity. Learn more at mysuncast.com forward slash Trina. Have you been curious about utility scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid-cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. Its built-in DC-to-DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Hey, can I borrow your attention for just one minute? How many of you in the residential solar install game right now would really say that your workflow is built to win? You know, in the 2010s, solar was all about sales. I think that the winners of the 2020s is really going to be contractors that focus on operational efficiency. See, margins are getting squeezed and there's a ton of competition out there, but everyone has an opportunity to improve. Would you like to know the score? of the value of your survey and design process? Would you like to hear about the evolution of the installer workflow? Well, then I would encourage you to join myself and my friend Jason Steinberg from Scanifly next Wednesday, the 31st of May at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Or maybe it's this Wednesday, or maybe you already missed it and you need to go see the replay at any point. You are going to benefit from the insights that we're going to reveal the benefits of a tech-driven solar ops program, the transition from manual to digital surveys. It's all there. I hope that you will check in, tune in, register, and uh, throw us some hard questions. We always love it in our live broadcasts. Join us May 31st, 2 p.m. with Scanifly. See you there. I want to drill down on something. Uh, so we talk actually in an episode that um, that you and I did on Clean Power hour that we'll link to all a lot, a lot more as well on the IRA for folks that want to dig in tomorrow on that. We'll cross-reference that episode. But can you give those who maybe don't know anything about the Illinois market, the skinny on why it is one of the 
the hot markets and also just a really complex market. We're coming up on, uh, by the time this publishes, probably have already completed the Midwest Solar Expo where you and I will be in person. But uh, for those who aren't going to Illinois for Midwest Solar Expo, but are hearing rumors of rumors that Illinois is this hot market, talk a bit about why that is and uh, what people should know if they're going to try to do business there. Yeah, you know, we got really good legislation in 2016, went into effect in 2017. We had our first RPS, you know, seven. The RPS was broken, quote unquote, right? It We were not on track to deploy enough clean power to achieve those goals, which were 25% by 2025. Mm -hmm. Then we got FIJA, Future Energy Jobs Act in 2017, which is why I have a job in the solar industry right. today. I stand on FIJA's shoulders. Then in 2021, we leaned in even harder with the Climate and Equitable Jobs Act, known as CJA. And what that does is sets a goal of 100% carbon-free renewable portfolio standard by 2050. Okay. So that's 27 years away. Illinois is going to be carbon-free. And that's a mix of solar, wind, and nuclear. I mean, bar none. Renewable portfolio standards are some of the best ways. They're not the only way. They're some of the best ways to catalyze a clean energy economy. Look at Texas. They don't have a robust RPS, but they have a robust solar market. Right. So it's it's not a must have. But in, in any case, one of the incentives built into FIJA and CJA is something called RECs, Renewable Energy Credits. One megawatt hour of electricity produced by a clean energy facility, whether that's wind or solar, has extra value and consumers are actually paying for that value. Okay. Mm -hmm. I have a fee on my power bill. Every mm -hmm. business owner in an IOU territory. So in Ameren in central and Southern Illinois or in ComEd in Northern Illinois or mid American near the quad cities, mid American is a small carve out. So those are the three big IOUs that covers probably 70% of the population of Illinois. The rest is munis and co-ops. And that's a story for another day, probably because that's a different story. But right. anyway, if you're a ratepayer in, in IOU territory, you can benefit from these RECs. And so the money's collected on your bill and then it's paid out to community solar developers who are going to own a solar farm that sells power to any consumer anywhere in comment territory or in Ameren yeah. territory, which is very generous. And it's great because you don't have to have a sunny roof. You don't have to own a roof, right? So that's the equitable piece of community solar is wonderful. And we have a robust community solar, something like 250 megawatts of community solar a year now wow. for a decade. Okay. And, and there's carve outs for low and middle income, which is vital, right? Historically, solar is expensive. And so it's the upper middle class yeah. that's benefiting directly. Um, Cause when you install an array on your house, on average, you're going to save 900 to $1,000 a year right? and more now that energy prices are spiking so much. And so that's money that you can put in your pocket and do other things, go on vacation or upgrade your home or invest in education or whatever you want to do. Right. And, and so we want all those savings to be sprinkled among the masses, not just a certain segment. Right. So, so these recs are, are, are a really wonderful tool and, um, and that catalyzes the industry big time. Like we yeah. had 250 megawatts total in the state before FIJA. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 10 X growth. And I'm curious, why does Illinois specifically have a focus on community solar? Because there are all kinds of, all kinds of solar CNI, which you did a lot of at, 
Uh, and and CNI, which is commercial industrial, fits within community solar in certain uh, aspects. No, CNI there. is a separate. Uh, there's carve outs for residential, mm-hmm. uh, commercial, industrial, mm-hmm. and and then community and utility. Yeah. Now, so I guess that's the, my question: Is it defined differently? Because like in New Jersey, you can have a community solar project that's on a CNI rooftop, right? You can they can they can locate it on any real estate and just roof or ground large, doesn't matter. It depends it. on how the power is is sold, right? It's a virtual, who's the off taker? It's yeah. a VPPA. It's a virtual. Yeah. I mean, or sorry, it's a it's it's a virtual power purchase agreement. Yeah. Right. You're using computers to do the calculations on how much juice each consumer is getting from that array. But yeah. you can have as few as four off takers on a community solar project. These are historically they were two megawatt AC. Now they're five megawatt AC. So six megawatts DC. You know, these are small solar farms. These are these are ten to thirty acre projects. Yeah. So and, and we're six megawatts DC is the system cap in Illinois for to qualify for community solar. Yeah, it's 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 five megawatts AC is right. what the what the law calls out. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Uh, a five sense. megawatt market, which is a uh, common, you know, this is it's common size. I mean, that's what QF is in here in North Carolina, five megawatts AC yeah. qualified facility. So that's really interesting. We could spend a lot of time on uh, how Illinois is, uh, is unique in the U.S. Uh, I would encourage you if you really want to go deep on that. <laughs> Tim's your man. He understands that market super well. And he's been developing solar for Continental and now EDPR for for years. I want to segue into another way that you've distinguished yourself in the market. Uh, about, uh, as I mentioned, about four or five, maybe six years ago now, you reached out to me and asked questions about podcasting. And at the time you were doing a podcast that Continental was endorsing, and now you've brought it, broken it out as we talked about and as its own brand, Clean Power Hour. Talk about why you decided to create your own personal brand, separate and distinct from your business card at Continental or EDPR or wherever else it might be. It's so important in today's economy that we all as professionals build a personal brand. It is Mm -hmm. a fundamental and it's a both end, right? You can be, you can represent a company. I represent Continental. I represent EDPR. I've represented many others. Mm -hmm. I represented the university of Illinois for several years and, but we're humans, right? People recognize uh, you and I yeah. as individuals, not just the brands. And yeah, you are now equal of, you know, you are equated with Suncast and many people know me as the host of the Clean Power Hour, but many people know me as a solar developer too. Yeah. And, and so it's just, you know, podcasting is one way, not, not for everyone. And, you know, my parents were both writers. I'm not a great writer. I can do it. I'm very slow. It's laborious. Your dad's a great writer. My dad is a great writer. He's prolific, but I'm not that guy. So, but I discovered my voice through podcasting. I got into podcasting in 2013, doing technology, a technology show. Man. And I'm always, I am a chip off the old block. I'm interested in technology, sustainability, and people. Mm -hmm. Those are the threads that connect my various careers and now I channel that through my podcast, The Clean Power Hour. And it's, a, it, as you know, man, what mm-hmm. a way to get to know an industry. Yeah. It's, it's such a great way to learn about so many different companies and individuals and technologies. It's, it's a true. perfect, it's a perfect answer really for a guy like me. Yeah. And I think you've done a good job of blending 
and diversifying the, the voices and the approach. Um, I love that you have the, uh, the nerve and the, the drive to show up live every week with John, uh, your co-host. Uh, what's it been like sort of managing uh, another personality? I've only ever done a single host podcast. I mean, talk to me a bit about working with John. For those who are familiar, John Weaver is also known as Commercial Solar Guy, has a huge uh, following on Twitter and is uh, magnanimous in his own right, Works uh, writes for PV Magazine and just also one of the most prolific writers and readers uh, I know in the industry. Talk about the the work, like deciding to partner with him and bring him in as another voice on Clean Power Hour. I just got lucky. I asked Christian <laughs> Roseland, yeah. who we both know, mm-hmm. who was then a senior editor at PV Magazine. Mm-hmm. He left shortly after, but I, br- I brought Christian onto my show. We were just talking about the solar industry and the, the rocket ship ride that it is. Mm-hmm. And then when I decided to start Clean Power Hour. I started as a segment of the Solar Podcast, which was my show under uh, under Continental. It was a, it right. was a Continental show, so it was a segment. And I wanted to do a news roundup, and I knew that I needed somebody who was really a, a news hound. And I found a guy through Christian, Dave John Weaver. He was the second conversation I had about this, and it was Christian to John. Christian couldn't do it; too busy. And Christian is now a podcaster. He's got his own show. Yeah. Uh, so he he was a good call, actually. Right. He he's he's a good podcaster. Oh, yeah. um, and I saw Absolutely. that in my interview with him that he he would be a good co-host. And and John is just kind of the perfect mix, right? He's a developer. He's an installer. He has a resi company. He has a commercial industrial company. He's doing small utility. And he's a journalist for PV Magazine. He loves geeking out on technology, especially PV. Mm. That's like his favorite. Uh, I'm more partial to racking, strangely enough. I don't know. Go figure. The stuff that holds the panels and moves the panels. I don't know why that's sexy, but it is to me. (laughs) Uh, And John and I just hit it off. It was just luck of the draw, man. Yeah. And it has been, it's been very easy. He's consistent. He shows up. He gets at the the funny thing is, Nico, he does not listen to podcasts. He does not listen. He doesn't go on YouTube at all. He doesn't. He's missing a whole world. You know, he likes to read. He doesn't watch TV. He likes to read. He's very old school that way. So I remember you called me and you were like, dude, Ben and these guys are doing this thing called our ludicrous future. We should do that. And, and I was like, you're not wrong, except I don't have time for that. And, uh, well, the quarterly, the quarterly is kind of like that, right? Yeah, it the is. The quarterly roundup that you and Mike it have is. organized. Thank you it both. And, and shout out to Mike Casey of Tigercom, who's also a podcaster now. Yeah. Uh, finally, it took him forever took to him birth that baby, but, but, uh, podcasting is not that hard. People make too much of it. Mm. I mean, it's a secret, right? Like once you figure out a routine, That's it's right. not that hard. Yeah, um, it's it's absolutely true. Uh, and it's kind of like that for all careers, right? You got to understand the, the fundamentals and get a routine in place and then just execute over and over. And um, and it's the, as Stephen Pressfield calls, the body of work that points to the creator's worth. You know, like um, sure, there are gems of art by uh, Picasso and Rembrandt and uh, Beethoven that individually people remember, right? But it is because they were prolific, the way that you and I are prolific, that they're remembered, really. Because there are other artists who weren't prolific. They had one off, what we call a one-hit wonder. One-hit and, wonders, lots yeah, of those. And, and we don't really remember those, those folks uh, or their impact on society. 
So I want to talk a bit about how you are sort of leaning in and uh, leaving a legacy and, and helping others follow in your shoes. What do you, what do you hope people say, you know, um, 20, 30 years from now about Tim Montague and his, and his, uh, the results, the legacy that you've left, if anything at all, like, what are you, what are you trying to leave a footprint for? How do you, how do you think about that? Well, my children are the most important footprint or mm. fingerprint that I'm leaving on earth, right? Mm -hmm. I prioritized being a dad. I was a Man. single father for, for many years. Man. And uh, so now I have two sons. They're beautiful uh, young adults. They're 22 and 20. My oldest son is studying computer science. So he's a chip off that computer science block. My, my father is also a computer scientist in mm -hmm. addition to being a toxics expert and an environmentalist. Wow. And, and he's, he's just, he is a chip off that block. And then Amazing. Finn, my, my youngest son. So shout out to Julian Montague, my oldest son. And Finn is in the process of becoming an electrician with the IBEW here in central Illinois and mm -hmm. wants to work in the solar industry, hopefully. So, you know, raising my kids and investing a lot of time in them was is the, is the most important thing that I'm leaving behind. Absolutely. Mm. I would love it if someone remembered me as a podcaster, as a solar professional who helped to speed the energy transition. That's my, yeah. my tagline. And my other, my other personal tagline is growth for the greater good. Like I mm, really care I like about that. humanity and creating a safer, healthier future for humanity. And that's why I'm interested in things like going to Mars and Elon Musk's plan to do that, because it is a backup plan. Right. The asteroid is out there careening towards Earth. That's going to snuff us out here on Earth at some point. Right. Um, and of course, the sun is going to swallow the Earth, too. So it's all kind of temporary. So if we could go <laughs> interplanetary, that just means the ride will go longer. Unfortunately, yeah. if the probability of extinction is one. All things, as far as we know, it's like the law of gravity. All things that are birthed, all species do eventually go extinct. So it's just a question of how far do we go? I prefer that to be as graceful and joyful as possible. Yeah. We can do things differently here on Earth. We have to stop shooting ourselves in the foot. Right. My goodness, we're busy fighting with one another when we could be going to the stars. Yeah. Well said. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I tip my hat to you is that you've taken the wisdom and knowledge that you've gleaned through your years developing CNI in particular at Continental and just stepping out and being an independent project developer along with the, um, the sort of the stuff that you've learned through the podcast, as I have, um, you've distilled that into, uh, into a legacy of knowledge, a body of knowledge that can be left behind for others. Our friends at HeatSpring uh, have this great platform for courses where you host not one, but two courses, one that's free. And I would encourage everybody to go take a look at it. And the other, it's called selling and developing commercial industrial solar. So I want folks to, I will leave a link in the show notes for folks to go learn how to qualify commercial solar leads and projects. Cause that's the free one. Of course, Tim gives a lot of his knowledge away there in the hopes that he'll also attract students who really want to learn how to develop and sell these CNI sector projects. It's the, it's the hardest sector, but in my estimation, it's the hardest sector to sell solar yes. in, in the industry. Can you talk about for those who the, the folks who might be listening, who they're going, whoa, wait a minute, I actually can learn how to do this myself. What would they learn in that course? How would you position it for them? Yeah. And shout out to HeatSpring, wonderful platform for sustainability in the built environment. That's their mission, you know, is to train more people yeah. in sustainability and the built environment. So you can take trainings on, you know, uh, HVAC, heat pumps energy efficiency, but also renewable energy. Mm 
And there's a load of PV courses. Sean White, you know, has, I think, over a dozen courses on there. He's kind of the OG in solar training, right? He's written several books for NABSEP. So you'll learn if you take this course, Selling and Developing Commercial Solar, which I, I poured my heart and soul into for about three, four months, uh, two years ago, developing this course in my in my spare time. I, I, I have a day job and I had to keep that, keep food on the table, but uh, you'll learn, you know, how to do a site assessment, how to do a site visit, how to do an initial design, what's involved in permitting a project, how do you do a financial model, all of the aspects of solar that really matter. Yeah. And it's just laid out in five and a half hours over 10 modules. It's very concise, logical. I do case studies. I answer common questions that you'll get from decision makers. You know, business owners don't understand solar generally. It's not yeah. their business, right? So we have to, uh, well, so the, the reason I created the course though, Nico, is because when I was, when I was green in 2016, 2017, casting about for knowledge and information, there was a lot on residential solar, but not much for commercial industrial. You know, Resi yeah. Solar is five gigawatts a year in the U.S. Right. It's a big industry. Commercial industrial solar is just a couple. Right. Right. It's, it's languishing. It is the hardest sector. It's a little bit of a mystery, but there are some good reasons why it is challenging. You know, the solar industry is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> you have to, it, it is a cash cow. It is a growth opportunity, but you have to work hard and you have to know how to overcome challenges and and so that's why you might want to dig into this. I just I love residential solar, but I'm a B2B guy and so I gravitate to CNI. That's my mm-hmm. playing ground so to speak. That's my ballywick. I help residential solar companies get into commercial industrial solar and I help solar professionals up their game and get into commercial industrial solar. So that's and- that's that. Fantastic. Well, anyone, anyone looking to uh, up their game can go check out Tim at HeatSpring. We'll give a link in the show notes. It's about 600 bucks to take that course. I like to drop in a quote every now and then. Seneca has a quote that says, it is not because things are difficult that we don't dare. It's because we don't dare that things are difficult. So just leave that That's as a, a nugget, good one. nugget of that wisdom for one. you. <clears throat> because we say that the CNI market is difficult, but people do tend to migrate towards those things that are easier and I implore, as Tim does, for more folks to lean in to the commercial industrial, the built environment, the huge rooftops that you see flying into every airport and out of every airport metropolitan area. There's still untapped resources to harness that uh, clean, reliable, virtually perpetual sun that's shining above our heads. Tim Montague, I want to thank you for being a shining light in our industry. I want to thank you for all the hard work that you're doing. For folks that do want to reach out to you and uh, connect with you personally, how would you instruct them to do that? You can do that at cleanpowerhour.com or find me on LinkedIn, Tim Montague. I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. I love chatting with people, connecting. Send me a connection request and chat me up. Fantastic. It has been a pleasure. I know that we could do another two hours uh, as we often just banter back and forth, learning from one another. I'll invite you back uh, for another one of those here another time. But for now, I'm going to sign off and say thank you for taking time to lean in and teach us in this Tactical Tuesday. Let's grow solar, Nico. Well, how about that, Solar Warriors? I hope that you really enjoyed this practical insight into the Solar Warriors career and how he has 
harnessed all of his knowledge and skills to not only benefit local business owners, but to benefit you. Thank you, Tim, for coming on to Suncast. I meant all the things I said about how impressed I am with the work and the body of work that you are doing, especially given that your podcast is still a side hustle. My my hat's off to you, my friend. If you are interested in taking Tim's courses, we'll leave the show notes to his heat spring courses in the show notes. You can easily find those right in the description in your podcast player of choice. As usual, we'll be back here again on Thursday with a deep, thoughtful executive profile from yet another industry leader designed to gear your mind towards what it takes to build a professional career and a successful business in this solar and energy storage sector. Hope that you'll tune in on Thursday for that. And if you want even more content like this, as well as if you are looking for a community or a coach or a way to invest your time, treasure, and talent into the renewable energy sector. You can find more than 585 episodes of our back catalog, as well as highlights from our discussions and social media links for all of our guests at mysuncast.com. You can also learn how to connect with me personally or how to reach the thousands of solar warriors and climate champions who tune in to Suncast each and every week, just like you. Get your message in their earballs as well as an advertising partner. You find that link and many more again at mysuncast.com. Hope that you will take a moment and go over and check out what we're offering. In the meantime, remember you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. Mm-hmm.